Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another installment of the Back and Bone Show. Today we'll be focusing on the mysterious and the macabre. Uh, we get into a little like political talk in the beginning, but uh, what we really set out for on this episode was um, kind of a it was a little campfire tale session, and uh, I think it came out pretty fun. Uh, kick back and enjoy, guys. Thanks for joining us. And enjoy episode 22. Shut up. Big castle, I sue castle. Beth come shy Let the party begin. Your ears, you keep, and I'll tell you why. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Take this quarter. Go downtown and have a rat gnaw that thing off your face. Good day to you, man. I'm so embarrassed. I wish everybody else was dead. You know, I don't want to sound like a queer or nothing, but I'm really going to miss you guys when the show's over. And then, motherfuck, let's just call it good and uh, let's do this. All right. All right. Once again, we're back, guys. And, uh, you know, this is what? One week, one week since our last episode? I think yeah. we're, we're starting to develop a pattern here. This is good. Yeah. This is good. Yeah, this is uh, consistent. Yeah. Matthew and I are, enjo- are enjoying a, uh, a nice healthy somewhat trendy treat today we're having a bulletproof coffee with Kerrygold butter and coconut oil silky smooth silky smooth foamy creamy frothy delicious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just what the doctor ordered mm-hmm. um i like these because they're kind of like they're they're kind of a little bit more stimulating than regular coffee it's almost like a like a breakfast shake or something you know kind of yeah i used to do a i went through a stage where like for a year straight every morning I would do hot tea, and then I would melt one square of this 100% cacao, like, dark chocolate mm-hmm, into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was just pure cocoa in it. And then I would do, like, 20 grams of collagen, and then I had that on it. I uh, made this emulsified MCT oil. Oh, yeah. I would do, like, a tablespoon Emulsify, of that. Emulsified, that means that's the powdered stuff, right? No, that's the that... it's the liquid one. The liquid one. Yeah. I thought so... emulsified meant it was powdered. It, I mean, it might in some cases, yeah, but, cool. um, so they had that, which was sweetened with like a little stevia and then some, what else did I throw in there? I throw a little chlorella in there. It was like this whole cocktail of all these different, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know, super well, food, super type food things. things. But been, I, I loved it though. I've been fucking around with spirulina lately. Yeah. I don't know why. I just, I would do that one some, sometimes yeah. too. Uh, it I'm tastes a... pretty much the same as chlorella. They're yeah. both, they're both like an algae, I think. So they're yeah, pretty similar. Yeah. I don't know what it's supposed to do for me, but it's, you know, from what I hear, it's good. I've been throwing it into my shakes. It um, must be good. Yeah. It turns them green as fuck, It does, too. yeah. Just a little a little bit of spirulina, and it, it's the whole It'll thing. It'll turn your tongue green. Like... I made a spirulina bites one time. Spirulina bites? Yeah, it was like powdered. You used a spirulina. You used, um, it was like cashews, uh, sunflower seeds, and you okay. kind of make these little, like, balls out of them. 
They're like little treats. They weren't like the best tasting things in the world, but they were tolerable. Okay. Oh, it was those. It was that, and like I think you used dates to like mold them. Matt and his goddamn dates again. Sounds like a Martha Stewart recipe. Yeah, yeah but it was good. You know, you're going to jail for insider trading, <laughs> dude. Martha Stewart, she was gangster. Mm-hmm. Gangster, gangster. Who she didn't even to? snitch. Who do they compare to? They said, uh, "Who's more gangster, Martha Stewart or uh, there was, was like Vanilla Ice or something?" No, or no, 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 no. There was no, a guy was recently. Like there was a guy recently named Takashi Six Nine, Six Nine yeah. who went to jail and he snitched on everybody. Yeah. No shame in his game. Yeah. And they were saying, who's more gangster? Because Martha Stewart didn't snitch on anybody. Yeah. She did her time. She held it down, did her time. (laughs) I mean, really, if you think about it, in the era that Martha Stewart came up in... Martha Stewart, thug You have to be a gangster-ass woman to make it to where she made it. Yeah. Because she probably ran into, like, shitloads of obstacles during her time. Well, yeah, that was definitely a time when, uh, like, that, that was a... That was a little bit more of a recent time when when women's rights were not as uh, complete as they are right. today. There wasn't really like a lot of room. I mean, and that's how not... many how many people out there in her exact position were doing exactly what she was doing, and she was the standout who made right. it and got famous and made money, and she got to shit on all the men around her. Well, yeah, there were, there was a select few from that time period yeah. where you had like Martha Stewart, Oprah, of course. Uh huh. Uh, you had like the power females. It was those sure. two, Hillary Clinton, of course. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a few, there was some power females. But Hillary Clinton was Hers kind was, of like she was her her fame and notoriety was kind of based on the fact that she was the president's wife. Yeah, That's her, true. Her so hers was hers but, was different. But she still managed to be a standout all the oh, same. Like yeah, you know, that's true. A strong woman figure, but also as a person who kills everybody. Right. Yeah. Oprah's the most impressive because she was also black. I never heard black. about Oprah killing people. <laughs> black and black and mm-hmm. you know, like on if black, o- Oprah has rich. to be. If you really think about it, right? Oprah has got to be one of the craziest success stories. Not crazy, but unlikely Especially success stories. Especially because of all she time. doesn't actually do anything. Right. That's the big. That's, part. that's the crazy part about it is like Martha Stewart I'm, at least cooks and shows you how I, to keep I, a nice home. Like. Exactly. Martha Stewart has some real discernible talents yeah. that you can pick out and go, yeah. yeah, she's an expert in these fields. With Oprah, it's weird because like I would never say I'm an Oprah fan. Like I've never yeah. sat down and watched she's an episode of Oprah. Kind of what she's famous for is being like just really pretentious and telling everybody how to how to live. She is like the the Oprah. Oprah is like the. She, I guess she is somebody. Now there, there's this really popular thing going around now where they're saying that the Joe Rogan experience is for men what Oprah was for women. You can kind of say that, yeah. That but makes it makes sense. It kind of makes sense, but it also at the same time it's different too because like, I think that's an unfair comparison to Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's a very like talented man in a lot of different Joe Rogan, aspects of his come, life. Well, the thing is, Joe Rogan actually does a lot more stuff. Like right, as far as he he. He actually gets his hands dirty with the things that he talks about. Right. Oprah kind of was just like she would do similar things in the in the sense that she'd have professionals on and psychologists on interview them and, she, and talk about these things. But she like as far as I know, she wasn't like out doing all this stuff the way like Joe Rogan will talk about like jujitsu. He's an actual legitimate okay. jujitsu black belt. This is like, true, but but I do have one rebuke for that. Mm-hmm. I just remembered this and I totally forgot about it. What kind of initially 
propelled Oprah into the, the stratosphere of superstardom was that she actually would do some pretty... I mean, she wasn't no, like, fucking journalist who was going to the trenches and fucking, right. you know war-torn countries and nothing like that mm-hmm. but i do remember she did have your reputation a reputation for being very ballsy as far as like she would have like you know like white supremacists on her show right and she actually would not she wouldn't talk over them and like belittle them she would actually give them a fair platform to like right. listen to their honest opinions on stuff and i do remember there was one thing that i saw about oprah where she went to what was considered at the time this was in the early 90s or the late 80s it was considered the most racist um city in the united states and it was in like bumfuck arkansas mm-hmm. somewhere or something. sounds about right <laughs> and she went there and she went to one of their town hall meetings and it was surprisingly not as hostile as you would think it wasn't like people jumping up like calling her the n-word telling her you need to get out of here mm-hmm. like kind of like how they would make it look in a movie it was just her, like, kind of sitting calmly with a bunch of other people, and they were kind of just going around talking, and they mm-hmm. were like, we just want to keep things separate, and we think that you should, you know what I mean? It was like, it just was, uh, obviously, I don't agree with them, but it was surprisingly civil, the discussion. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with, uh, with that way of life, but I also kind of feel like people have sort of the right to live that way if they want to it's like if you're if you're a fucked up like you know like sick fuck like you know racist person you should probably have some kind of safe haven where you could just be around other people who yeah are like no you. i like, I, t- I tend to agree with that yeah. as well because it's like and i would rather have it that way where right if they're I, gonna be yeah. that way then stick I, to yeah. their little spot exactly you, know? you guys go um, to your little island and go be you know fucking jerk each other off and your yeah. little well because power because meetings. what happens is that's why and you, you get don't this... and then you don't have them you don't have them causing anybody problems exactly in civilized society and, and you don't have to deal with i mean it's the same thing with um you know, that's why, like, it just feels like in so many ways, like, this country has taken a lot of steps backwards as far mm-hmm. as, like, just the race relations and whatnot right. in the last few years. Because, but it's be- well, I feel like that comes from a lot of people trying too hard and we're tipping the scales so Ex- hard. Exactly. It's a lot like what that guy was talking about on, on Watchmen. He's like, yeah. I'm just, he's like, we're not white supremacists. The scales have tipped too far, and we're just trying to reestablish balance. Right, and and so, yeah, that's the interesting thing about it. And not to say that that's what's happening in the real world, but 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 you can see how what happened was as soon as you had this shift where things started to get, like, Mm ultra-liberal, those people who maybe were moderately conservative before got ultra-conservative. Right. It's It's people, it, it kind of, like, it propelled the people who, who had the, the opposite uh position further feel, into that yeah, they felt threatened yeah. and then and they had that response where right it's like oh now i gotta now i gotta really stick to my guns now yeah, i yeah, have yeah. to be aggressive because because people don't side. like generally nobody likes to have things pushed on them right nobody wants if it's something if it's not a position it never has worked it's not like you know they have these scenes in movies where like you know ed norton in american history x Mm -hmm. where he has one moment that but but that's actually a good example of the point i was going to make i was going to say and a lot of times in movies somebody will have an epiphany one moment that changes their life forever Mm -hmm. and then they just totally change their character and their mind right um but that's not how it happens in real life it's increments it happens small increments and that's why that movie is such a good example as he has to he goes to prison in that movie 
and he's got to fold clothes yeah. with that black guy. And he's and, that's his only buddy in there. That's the yeah. only person he's got in he there to kind of recognize. Right. And every like, day yeah. the guy cracks some jokes. He starts to make mm-hmm. him laugh a little. And then over time, he's, he morphs into somebody else. He realizes that how he felt before was wrong. But it took years of him being in prison to get yeah. to that point. So that's a, in a lot and of ways. Counseling a, and, right. and everything. Yeah. yeah was, that, that's a more realistic um, depiction of that. But now you're getting this... And I, you know, it's funny because like last weekend I was in, we went to Vegas, like I was talking about last week, we went there for the UFC fight Mm -hmm. and it was, um, the same weekend as there was some kind of cowboy uh, rodeo type thing going Mm -hmm. on. So there's just cowboys everywhere. And a lot of them went to the UFC fight with, uh, Covington, Covington versus, uh, Usman. Uh And, uh, so the crowd was actually super like pro Covington. It was crazy. Yeah. Like, I was expecting him to just to get shit on. Well, what with all those, you know, make America great cowboys out there? <laughs> right, dude. And it was not like that at all. Oh. Um, yeah. But but you can tell, you could see the shift. You could tell. So you could even see it. So there was this guy sitting in front of me and Ariana, this giant obese man. Like, this sure. guy was literally, you know, probably in the morbidly obese. He was 400 plus pounds, but he was sure. five foot ten. And this guy was just sitting there with his big old like hot dog and thing of nachos and you know he's just he's got a towel with him because even just getting up to walk to the bathroom he starts sweating oh yeah so he's got to wipe down his forehead this guy's sitting in front of us probably had cheese coming out of his pores and <laughs> he did he was jizz and cheese nacho <laughs> cheese so this guy's sitting in front of us and we could see his phone and ariana like nudges me and she's like, look what this guy's googling right now and he's facebook arguing with somebody and then he's googling unemployment rates during obama's presidency <laughs> so he's like using it as a counter yeah. and then covington comes out and this guy just fucking is all on his dick and yeah. like there was so much of that there though and yeah. um it was interesting to see to see that like firsthand because it's just you're like you're looking at this guy and i don't know this guy i don't know what his life has been like i don't know what his story is but what I was able to surmise about him in my own mind, just in a nutshell, was... He's fat. There's this giant man. He's He can't be... I don't care what you say. Nobody is happy being morbidly obese. Mm-hmm. That's a low quality of life to well, begin it's, with. it's a person who is not respecting themselves. He's not no. taking care of themselves and treating... Right. Like, and here he is arguing with With somebody on Facebook. And, ma- and telling them, a, you know his opinions on how life should be lived and how people right. should think when this guy's clearly not even fucking doing that for himself. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I think just there's so many people that would be so much fucking better off and it goes without saying, but it should be obvious, but so much better off if they took time to focus on improving things about themselves instead of just wasting time like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a wasted life to sit there arguing about, anything on facebook right it's so stupid none of the smartest people i know do that uh-huh <laughs> no, no 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 it's it's such a like it's such a such a grab for attention such a like i don't really like to use the um the like trigger phrases like the the pop culture phrases they have right now like the virtue signaling and that shit but that's like a really good way of putting it mm-hmm. it's a way for people who don't have anything else going for them to jump on people and show everybody in a public uh, in a in a public arena where everyone in the world can look if they want to, like look how enlightened I am. Right. Look how much look how much I know about this situation and how much I can, how much my perspective can benefit everyone. 
Yeah. And it's like, yeah, why you, don't you just get on a fucking treadmill and make your situation better? Exactly. <laughs> I think that's what irritates. I, I just had this conversation with Ariana yesterday where uh, she was talking about how she was on a job site. Yeah. And um, the first thing, this it was a, a husband and, and, a, and a wife. And the wife comes in and the first thing she tells Ariana is, I don't care what you have to say about this house, mm-hmm. but it's beautiful the way it is. Okay, this was a couple who was trying to sell this house. Okay. Ariana's friend, who's a realtor, wanted Ariana to come in and give them some de- design advice. Ariana sure. was doing them a favor. But this house has been sitting on the market for seven years. So this house ain't selling. Right. And Ariana comes in, and the first thing, she's she's like, it's hideous. It needs to be updated almost everywhere. The paint colors, it's it, there's just a lot of things wrong with it. Mm-hmm. So... One of the first things Ariana tells her is Ariana's hesitant to even say anything now. But one of the first things she tells her jumped on her with. Yeah, exactly. She doesn't want to hear her opinion. But Ariana tells her she was like, well, if it was up to me, this is just my opinion. But um, the walls are painted bright blue right now. That's not good. This being an ocean house, because it's going to draw your eye away from the 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 blue of the house is going to draw your eye away from the blue of the ocean. Mm -hmm. Like you don't want you know the same it's conflicting and then the woman was like i kind of felt the opposite about it and so she's just already starting this thing of just Mm -hmm. disagreeing with everything she has to say just because you know just letting her know that she exactly is an expert too yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) and what i was telling ariana was like it drives me fucking berserk when people are not open to the opinion of other people and regardless of how you feel about it even if you disagree about something, you should still at least respect that this person has dedicated their lives well, to this endeavor, exactly. and that's their field. I was going to say, especially when they're doing that to, to a professional in their environment. Right. Like, exactly what we were talking about last time. We talked about this before, about, you know, uh, like the people you and I are training. Yeah, and yeah. Like that's what it made me think of. Us. And yeah yeah it's the same exact thing it's it's a it's a person who spent their whole life learning about this they are an expert they have the results to show that they're an expert in it and you who has no experience at all are just getting a million well i think this well and, and whatever <laughs> happened to whatever happened to just just ask like yeah. why not just say yeah that's interesting i don't feel that way about it um, but why do you feel that way? Right. Or exactly. like, you know exactly. what, why does there have it's, to be this hard disagreement over everything? You know? A, yeah. It's all about context. And, um, it's like, and, when, can, like, and, and that's exactly like that goes, that, that goes along with what we're talking about with the, the whole, you know, people fighting online and shit, because it's not, instead of just having a conversation and yeah. learning each other's sides and, you know, getting, getting to know why people think a certain way or what they think people don't want to do that because that risks them being wrong yeah that opens they have you too up much to they have in, too much pride and too yeah. much ego for that i i and got it's, it, i i was uh this just reminds me exactly of like i was um i was uh i was seeing this girl for a little while in la and she was like kind of an activist mm-hmm. she was like you know college classes and she was all talking about her political beliefs and shit and she was like a vegan and all these different things and it's like I don't judge. I'm not going to look at that and be like, oh, you're stupid for being a vegan. Oh, you're stupid for being an activist. But she got on my case. She was like, she was like, what are your political beliefs? And I was like, I'm not political at all. (laughs) She was like, and she just fucking, she just hit the wall with that. She was like, wait, what do you mean? I've had people do the same thing to me. You don't care 
about any of this stuff. You don't care about all these problems, blah, blah, blah. And she starts railing into me. And I had to stop her and be like, look, I don't think it's good that there's problems. I don't want there to be problems. I wish there was a cut and dry solution. But do you realize that when you're being an activist and you're engaging these problems directly, you're creating new ones? Exactly. That everything yeah. that you everything you fight against has a reaction. Yeah. Like every 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 bit of pressure that you put on one situation, something's got to give. Yeah. And that doesn't mean like there there aren't these there aren't these fucking comic book supervillains out there running our country just going or running the world just going like and yes, these people will right. all suffer. Like fucking Mr. You know, Burns from the Simpsons yeah, or it's, something. It's people with agendas, and those agendas affect other people. A lot of it has to do with running corporations that employ people that support society. And just bringing that shit down would crumble our entire civilization as we know it. There's no easy way. There's no one right answer. There's no. correct answers on both sides. And if you don't, if you take a stance on one side and go, this is the right answer. We need to kill all these opposite ideas. Then your little utopian world that you think you're creating is is just going to implode on itself. It'll implode, and you'll find. And, and then once you get to that point, you're just going to find new problems. Mm-hmm. And th- this is a little bit more like elaborated because I've had more time to think on it. But that was that that was the gist of what I said to her. Yeah. And she like she didn't have a response for it. She was just yeah. like she's like, well, I don't believe that. Well, I've had I've like, had people, right, well, I've had people do the exact same thing to <laughs> yeah. me where they yeah they they ask me they try to engage me in this political yeah. shit, and I'm and I say the same thing, and they've asked me similar questions like you don't care, and it's like it's not like I don't care, but it's just there isn't there a right is, answer. I only have. <laughs> I only have so many fucking days on this mm-hmm. earth. So many days. Right, right. Before I get old and I can't do shit and I can't learn anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I want to use that time doing things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. Because now, if you're somebody who enjoys politics and actually plans on making a living, helping well, people you, and doing that sort of thing. If it enriches your life yeah, to, to be exactly. involved in that. M- more power to you. Yeah. Um, if that's something you enjoy, it's not something I enjoy. If mm-hmm. I pretended to enjoy it or pretended like I had an interest in it, it would be half-assed. Um, and I don't do that with it anything. Would, it would be forced. It, it would, would be, be forced. It, it wouldn't be something it's that like, I'm actually interested right. in. Right. And it's like, it's it, the, what I compare it to is it's as simple as this. If I'm a, when I, when I went back to school, if I, if you sit me down and put a pencil in my hand and a piece of paper, I'm going to draw. Mm-hmm. I can't even help it. It's literally like an ADD like tick. Mm-hmm. If I'm at a restaurant and there's crayons on a piece of paper, I'm gonna draw. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I enjoy drawing. It's something yeah. I like to do. <laughs> it's like meditation. I'll just sit there and draw. I've been that way since I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I turn on the TV. CNN's on. My head wants to explode. Yeah. I want to kick the fucking TV or fucking Fox <laughs> News is on or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, how do people sit here? And But there's people that enjoy yeah. that and they enjoy hearing those perspectives and those things. Well, and it's like, if I was to sit there and pretend like I was into that and mm-hmm. try to go that route, it's not me. It's not natural for mm-hmm. me. And I'm not, there's a certain, um, you know, uh, level of interest I'm not going to be able to get to with that. Well, Whereas why not take that thing that I'm naturally interested in and just go with, or same thing with exercise. I'll sit there and read articles all night without anybody having to tell me to do it because I enjoy it. And that's, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good way to express that point is that about the, the limitation of our brain power, our physical energy and the, just the amount of time that we we have to do things 
you should concentrate on the things that you have an aptitude for. Yeah. You should, like, there's, you shouldn't spread yourself so thin that you have to care about stuff that other people care about. Because you don't. Just because other people give a shit about something, just because it's important doesn't mean it's your business. Yeah. I agree. I agree because... There there are... uh, there are starving children in Africa who are going to die today and I can't do anything about it. And it's not really my place or my interest to, to get involved. Well, in. And it's like, and you not have that to, I would, I w- if I could snap my fingers and change it, then that would be fantastic. Well, and it's but... like, you have to pick your battles because yeah. it's okay. Now one person could maybe say, well, that's not true. You could join the peace corps and you could really make a difference in this and that. Yeah, maybe you could, but maybe by you doing that, you don't get to spend as much time with your family. Right. You don't get to spend. There's other people that are that you're close to that can suffer as a byproduct. So there's always going to be a reaction to whatever exactly. choice you make. No, there. Yeah, and there's it's... there's always an option for you to do more good in the world, and you can always be a better, more worldly person. And I, I do, I do want to, in in some level you know, try to try to give back and do something beneficial to something outside of myself. But I'm still in the process of, of figuring out my own life. Exactly. And getting my own and, things together. And, and until until I do, until I reach a certain point where I can be satisfied to at least to a degree. Like yeah. where I can where I can take better care of myself and, and be satisfied with where I'm at in life. And I can really I can't really focus on saving the world or doing doing too much uh, charitable work. No, and it's like the and, old you expression, know. you know, like it, it's uh, you really can't unless you're unless you you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. It's mm-hmm. the truth, though. Like you really have to focus on taking care of yourself before you can do good things for other people. It's like Jesus said, indeed, take the plank like out Christ. of your own eye, like before Christ. you pull the splinter from mine. Just like Christ. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. So that was our little political rant for the first twenty-five minutes. Yeah, but, that one, uh, went, man, we went hard in the paint on that one. Yeah, we got a little bit carried away. No, that, that was bulletproof good, coffee. Man. I told you that really shit gets fires you going you up. <laughs> I was about to fall asleep when I came yeah. in here, and now I'm like ready to go. I told you that shit's the real deal, huh? Yeah. Um, so we, uh, Matt and I, talked after uh, the last podcast. We've both been listening to that uh, radio rental horror sort of like sci-fi mystery podcast did we talk about it on here or was that after you mentioned it i believe on here okay and uh we may we may not have if you guys didn't listen to the last one or if we are remembering wrong i can't i can't remember but it was uh it's a it's a good podcast it's really it's fun to listen to it's just real people sharing their uh sharing their supposedly true stories about unexplained things or scary things or spooky things that happen to them and and if you're a fan the way that they format the podcast is really cool like if you're a fan of those old school horror stories like you know tales from the crypt or are you afraid of the dark it's kind of done in in similarly to those in that there's a narrator who kind of presents everything and it's a very stylized podcast it's very campfire-y yeah but it's it's what I love about that podcast. It's just so purely entertaining. Right from the second you start listening to it, right. like you really can't stop until the episode's and over. Like some, you just want to hear yeah. what happens. Ex- same, yeah, exactly. Uh, and some of them were just 
were ended up just not being that interesting. No. But even just the fact that somebody's there telling you that story. It's, it's the build-up. It's up. engaging. Yeah, it makes it's the build-up. Yeah. The payoff isn't... There's definitely very... There's some where the payoff is like, holy yeah, shit. It's like, and then there's damn. others where the payoff is like, oh. But yeah. it's the process of sitting there and wondering what the end result is going to be that's so right. engaging about it's, it. It's very, uh, it's very mysterious. So... Matt and I, we kind of talked about it, and it, it reminded me of my spooky, unexplained story. And Matt mm-hmm. said he has one as well. Yes. And uh, so we figured today we would uh, meet up and uh, tell our stories on today's podcast. Yeah. Now, mine happened about, like, at least 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So I, my details may be slightly fuzzy, but there's, there's certain things about it that... I really can't explain that I rem- that are burned into my memory because it was so bizarre and so crazy. But I also do have witnesses. My sisters were there when when this happened, and, and this is true because I saw his sister earlier, and I don't know, I don't even know what the story is, but I asked her if she knew about it, and she did. Yeah. So, and uh, there was also physical evidence left over for um, some some weeks after this happened because. Uh, it has to do with not vandalism, but there was uh, there was some. How would I put this? I guess you might call it like displacement of property. Like okay. some some there were things physically moved around from what happened. All right. So <clears throat> my sisters and I, uh, we were living at my dad's house in uh, in Orchid at the time, and this was on uh, Solomon Road. And for those of you who've never been to Solomon Road. It is a very dark, open field kind of area. It's out now. Is Solomon Road the area where they claim that the white lady is at night? It is. It There's is. an urban myth, kind yeah. of local urban myth, attached to this area. So I, I was going to get to that. But sorry. All right. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> nice input, though. I appreciate it. No, uh, Solomon Road is a is an intersecting street to Foster Road. Foster Road um, is sort of where that's the the area where the white lady is as matt brought up the local urban myth where um there's there's a a small wooded area some trees um and beyond the trees uh there's a big open field that goes all the way out to uh tanglewood and but uh and across the street from that is pioneer park so i'm just kind of giving you like a little visual here for those of you who live in the area and like kind of know what i'm talking about but it's a dark, dark place at night. There's no street lights. Um, there's just some houses. There's a lot of space between the houses, so it feels very isolated. And kind of the layout of the house that we lived in, um, there was a, a really big yard. Like, the house was really far back from the street. Um, and then there's a fence. Then there's a two-lane street. And then across the street... There's some trees. Um, there's a there's like a line of trees, and then there's a big open field where horses and you know different different animals, ranch animals live. Uh, and beyond that, there's like some houses that are kind of like scattered around in in the fielded area. So my sisters and I one night we're watching scary movies, which is like kind of our thing. We always do that. But we were watching this movie. I remember. Uh, 
remember it was a really strange movie it was uh i don't think i've seen it since because it, it kind of was like oddly pieced together it was really awkward it was called uh, ravenous mm. and it's with uh guy pierce and it's about like these guys in i don't know if it was like colonial or like civil war era america but they they're kind of in they're kind of in like an explorer group and they are they get lost in the woods and like frontier you know frontier mountain ranges and they get trapped and they end up becoming cannibals so they like it's just a movie about cannibalism it's very dark and morbid and like you know, awkwardly put with Guy, together. This is with Guy Pierce. With Guy Pierce. I'd like to point out, I uh, once saw a porno called Ravenous with a guy who looked like Guy Fieri. I like that. I, I, I like the I like <laughs> the, the comparison that Guy Fieri, you know, he, he's always eating. So yes. he was probably like eating ass in this. Uh, you know, yeah, he was like... definitely an ass buffet. It must have been in the early 2000s because it was, yeah, he had the bleach blonde hair, yeah. the little chin strap. Yeah, just the, just the bleach tips, though. Um... Yeah, so there we were watching this movie, and um, so the layout of the living room is there's a big open window, and next to the window is the TV. Across from the window is uh, is the couch where we're all sitting. Mm-hmm. So we look up, and there, like we notice something's like catching our eye, all of us, all three of us, and uh, it's a little laser laser light is like shining in our face, and it's distinct. It's like getting our attention. So I. The girls are like, what is that, Keith? Go, go, go check that out. And I was like, yeah, of course. So I get up and I, I go look out the window and I try to see if I could see someone shining the light. And it looks like it's coming from the woods in, in the across the street. That's already creepy. Yeah, it's spooky already. And I, I mean, obviously, I'm like a little bit spooked just from like seeing this. Somebody's trying to get my attention. I figure it's got to be, you know... Some of my friends, my brother's friends, my sister's friends. Somebody's, like, trying to get our attention, you mm-hmm. know, just to, like, fuck with us. And I look and I see there's a little flickering light in my driveway. Mm-hmm. Like, right outside of my driveway. And I go, okay, well, I better go see what that is. Yeah. <laughs> so I get up and I go outside. And I look and there is what looks like a little candle mm-hmm. outside of my driveway. And I walk up to it and... um there is a mason jar with a with a small like a tea candle on the inside of it you know the little like white candles with the little metal um and it's just flickering in there and i notice it's really really dark so it takes me a minute and i i have to look around and i notice there's a giant circle maybe like maybe like seven eight ten feet in radius Mm mm-hmm and it's a perfect circle of sand. Wow. There's no extra sand. There's no, like, runoff. It's just perfectly... It's perfect lines. Which is pretty making... hard to do because, um, I mean, even if you just have a pencil and you try to draw a perfect circle, right. that's difficult, let alone doing it in, like, a big radius like well, that. Well, it gets, it gets weirder. Mm-hmm. So there's a perfect circle, and the candle is directly in the center of it. Wow. And at the very bottom of the circle, there's an arrow pointing into my driveway. Wow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah. But it's but like the circle, the lines on it are perfectly straight. It's perfectly even. It's a symmetrical arrow, and it's pointing right into my driveway. 
And so I naturally, I'm, I, I'm like, I start like looking around. I'm like yelling. I'm like, who's out here? Who's out here? I didn't go into the woods or anything, but I kind of like looked around and I was like, hey, what's going on? Who's fucking with me right now? Nobody says anything. Nobody comes out. So I picked up the candle and I was like, well, I guess I'll take this then. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I walked inside. I don't remember how long it was, but it wasn't very long before it it wasn't long enough for this to make sense i know that it was like five minutes ten minutes whatever the laser light starts flashing again somebody's trying to get our attention again somebody's fucking with us and i'm a little bit freaked out a little bit i'm i'm still pretty sure that it's just like my friends or somebody's friends but i'm a little bit like all right i gotta go see what's going on and i was like a little bit annoyed so I go back outside and I'm looking around. I'm like, yeah, what's up? Who's out here? Why are you trying to get my attention? And I remember this so vividly because it this is one of those moments that was like burned into my mind <clears throat> because it was so, this is so specific and so visceral and mm. kind of jarring. It was like a movie scene. It was like something you would see like th- this flash of a moment. Mm-hmm. A car drove by, and on the opposite, like, I only saw this because of the the headlights on the car. And on the opposite lane, like, closer to the, to the woods, farther away from my house, giant letters that filled the lane up in perfect, clean lines, just like the, just like the circle was, symmetrical, just like the arrow, <clears throat> The words were written out, go inside Keith. Weird. Wow. And how big were the letters? They filled the lane. So that would have been It was like, like they were like, I don't know, like, like eight feet. <laughs> so Whoa. they were huge. So how were they able to, what I'm wondering. And then, and then after that, I was just like, what the fuck is going on? And I went inside. I told the girls about it. And they saw uh, it. They saw it. It was there the next day. All of that stuff was there the wow. next day. And it just faded over time as the wind started to blow it and cars were driving over it. And you it. saw the car drive away. That no, you no, think I was saw, the no, I saw. No, I just saw a car. It, it was, was just a random just car, a car that car was drove by. Boom. Now, here's what's weird. A lot of effort went into this, you know? Yeah. A lot of, uh, a lot of like, sneaking and a lot of placement. I don't know what happened. I don't know who did it. This was at least 10 years ago maybe as much as like 12 years ago did you have no any one no suspects? one no one has ever fessed up yeah it, I've that, told that's this the story. weirdest thing yeah. about it is I, if it was one of your friends mm-hmm. uh, somebody would have said that they something. would have said something by so now. somebody would have said oh that was me oh i did that yeah right and first of all, well, but then who the fuck would go out of their way? That's a lot of time. I yeah. mean, you really have what, to... What was the next thing? What was the next step to that? What was the, the end result? Just to freak me out and leave me with a spooky story for the rest of my life? Wow. Go inside, Keith. That's uh, That was crazy. super fucking weird, right? Yeah. Um, if you're listening to this and you did that, go ahead and leave <laughs> us a comment. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> also, uh... go fuck yourself. No. So that's the weirdest part of it to me. The weirdest part is that to this day, you don't no know. one has ever been like, like, oh, that was me. That's such a weird thing 
to do all that work and just sit in your own little head and just <laughs> that is very weird wow well my story kind of errs on the side of the macabre a little bit more ah. and this is one of those stories that's so mine is much older because i was probably like six years oh, old shit. maybe six years old when this happened so this would be you know like 24 years ago for me but um, I've had to, I, it's one of those stories that's so surreal in my mind that I always have to go back and before I even tell it to somebody, I have to just, just to make sure I have to confirm with my brother again mm. that it happened. That's kind of how my, my story is with my sisters. I didn't really get a chance to go over the details with them because right. they were there Yeah, and they like, when we retell it, they'll give me little things like, no, this happened like right, this. Right. So little details yeah. of it. Yeah, so I, I saw my brother earlier as well, and I asked him about it again just to make sure, as I have before, and he says he remembers it very vividly as well. Because he would have, his memory would be better because he was like, you know, he's four years older than me, so he would have been like nine at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, we used to live out in, out near Tanglewood on this little street called Rayville Lane, which is kind of, a, if you're from the Santa Maria area... Um, it's just out near the fields. I mean, it's kind of, it's very remote. Rayville Lane is a street that's just out by itself, basically. It's one street that has like six to ten houses on the lot, and that's it. There's no other surrounding neighborhoods. And then basically around that, you're surrounded by ice plant fields, um, agriculture fields for like lettuce and other whatever shit they're growing out there. So you're just surrounded by fields, basically, and it always smells cows all around i mean it's just very out there um so we had our our next door neighbor his name was rick and he was babysitting me and my brother one time rick was an alcoholic like a legit drinking every day till he passed out alcoholic sounds like a yeah good guy to (laughs) sounds like a good guy to babysit right (laughs) i don't know why he was babysitting us but i just remember we were with rick and his son bennett and uh bennett was like my brother's age so he was like four years older than me so one day we're with Rick and Rick decides, Hey, let's just go, let's go walking. Let's just go out and go for a walk. So, uh, we just go out walking and we walked for, you know, it might've only been, it was so long ago for me now. I don't remember how long it was. It felt like it was miles upon miles though. It felt like hours. Mm-hmm. It might've only been an hour cause it was so long ago, but I, I do think it was at least a few hours. Cause I remember when we started, it was light out and then it started to get dark out when we came back. So it was at least a few hours. So we're walking out into these, you know, random agriculture fields and there's nothing out there, but just field and grass and dead grass. And it's just, there's nothing really. And we keep walking, we keep walking and then we stumble upon a bunch of, and I don't know how many there was. I do know there was at least five, but there could have been as many as like 15 to 20. It's just, you know, when you're young like that, you take things that are small and build them up to be bigger right, in your right. mind. Kind so of like your your perception of a situation is. Always yeah. Like so like I'm the time. I'm too. conservatively saying I know there was at least five, mm. uh, but there was just mutilated cattle, like horribly mutilated cattle. Like yeah. you see on those fucking documentary shows on History Channel where they were supposedly mutilated by aliens. Yeah. I mean, just like ripped from the inside out. Um, and they were strewn across this this field all over the place. I mean, it was just like a giant field of, of random mutilated cattle. Mm-hmm. 
So we're just walking around and like being a five-year-old or six-year-old kid, like I don't understand at the time, like what that even means or what, I don't know. I can't really even make anything out of it. To me, it's just like a movie, you know, Mm -hmm. but we keep walking. And then amongst this field of mutilated cattle, there is a small, like a Shih Tzu, a decapitated Shih Tzu's head. Jesus Christ. Dead serious. And I've had to go back a zillion times and ask my brother, I remember that part correctly, right? We did find a Shih Tzu's head that had been decapitated, correct? And he was like, yeah. So that 100% happened. So mutilated cattle strewn about and a decapitated dog head. So that's it, basically. And it's like one of those weird things where like it just really stands out in my mind. Yeah, no I've tried shit. to go back. <laughs> I've tried to go back and kind of reconfigure like what must have happened out there maybe i just always kind of assumed it was like some crazy fucking rancher who was out there who just got fucking drunk with his buddies and just got crazy and just did some stupid shit that or like you know you always hear about like uh fucking like like groups of kids that are kind of into the occult shit like, that's kind of what i, I thought say, too i don't want to use like that that dated term like, like satanic de- panic. satanic rituals and shit but yeah like that sort of that idea like the yeah, kids yeah. who are kind of uh out trying to do some fucking well, heinous shit and i think and, at the time that did cross through my mind because that would have been roughly the right time frame for that whole satanic panic right. thing you're talking like that, late 80s early yeah, 90s that was a thing i mean that happened it was like, a thing especially in these like farm towns like santa maria well, where... which which actually brings me to i wasn't even going to tell this story but i do have a very interesting story that kind of ties into the whole satanic panic thing oh please uh a family friend of ours named charlie mulligan who was a, a bill bondsman here on the central coast for a really long time pretty sharp dude um this was a few years back and it was at my dad's birthday party and um all of a sudden he he had mentioned something about how his daughter was almost killed one time and i was like wait what what are you talking about so he tells me this whole story and this is a hundred percent verified true story when this would have been in like the early 90s so around the same time frame his daughter went to go stay the night at her friend's house Mm -hmm. and he said for whatever reason he just had like a bad feeling in the pit of his stomach Mm-hmm. And he was like, I don't know. I just, something doesn't feel right. So he called his daughter's friend's house. The mom answered the phone and he said, hey, um, is, is uh, I don't remember, I don't even remember his daughter's name. Let's just say it's Katie. And he said, hey, is, uh, is Katie there? And she's like, oh yeah, they're just hanging out in the room. They're just chilling out, you know, doing whatever. Mm-hmm. And he was like, okay, well, could you just go and check? Because I don't know, I just feel, so the mom goes to check. They're not there. Mm-hmm. The daughters had go, gone to, uh, they snuck out to go meet up with these guys. There were these, these these three teenage boys. They were going to go, like, fucking smoke cigarettes with them or right. whatever. This was out on the Mesa in Napoma. Okay. Yeah, well, that's a that's a spot for shit like this, for so, sure. Like, yeah. Charlie, um, so Charlie gets a bad feeling. He gets in his car, goes out looking for his daughter, trying to see if he could find them because they would have been walking and there was no cell phones back then. And he finds his daughter walking by herself. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? He chews her out. You know, he's pissed because he was so worried. And he's like, where's so-and-so? And And she was like, she went to go meet up with these guys. But she kind of, she chickened out basically. And she decided to go back. What they didn't know was that these guys were planning to murder them. Mm -hmm. A ritual, like satanic sacrifice. Right. And they did murder her friend. 
Fuck. So Charlie gets his daughter, takes her home. Her friend gets murdered that night. Fuck. Gets raped and murdered by these. It was either two or three guys. Mm-hmm. Fucking crazy, That's right? Fucking and he gnarly. said, till this day, like when he told me that story, it just gave me chills because I was like, how crazy is that? That your intuition so was so powerful yeah. that you knew something was wrong. And it was so and, uh, close and to happening. And it was so close to happening. And that the, her best friend was murdered that night. Fuck, like man. violently, viciously beaten to death. That's so horrible. Out there on the Mesa. So here's here's how this story gets even crazy deeper on the layer okay. scale. The family of one of those kids who murdered that girl out there, he goes to, you know, juvenile hall or prison or whatever for life. And then about a couple years later, his little brother was involved there was a boston market that used to be in a royal grandy mm-hmm. oh i remember and that his little brother was the one who shot the guy outside of boston market mm-hmm. it was a weed deal the guy owed him money and it was a weed deal gone wrong mm-hmm. so one of the two guys who murdered this girl on the mesa uh, charlie's daughter's friend his little brother a few years later had a weed deal that went wrong out in front of boston market he shot and killed somebody over it mm-hmm he shoots and kills somebody. He escapes, flees to Mexico. When he flees to Mexico, they're trying to track him down. My nephew, Camden, who's 13 years old right now, his grandpa on his mother's side of the family, who was um, he was a, uh, a sheriff in the Napomo uh, Sheriff's Department or I don't know, some deputy or whatever. Mm-hmm. He worked for the Sheriff's Department. He volunteered to go to Mexico to go get him. So he was like a crazy, like former Marine type uh-huh. dude. He drove down there himself and he brought the dude back from Mexico. He retrieved him and brought him back from Mexico and uh, brought him back. And then that guy, I think that guy got sentenced to life too. Mm-hmm. But it just was so crazy to me that there was all these little like connections just stemming from that one story, right. you know, like um, it tripped me out. And I never even knew that his grandpa my nephew's grandpa was the one who actually drove down to mexico to get that dude and bring him back right and apparently those two kids they had just a real fucked up family like Mm -hmm. you know apparently the parents were like super abusive and it was just crazy so it's weird weird you would never think that two people who would uh rape and murder two girls (laughs) who would have who would have thought right they would have you know a bad home life you know yeah and if, and if um, you guys i mean if you guys want to look this stuff up i mean you can actually find stuff about it online it all actually happened my uh you just kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, a really spooky story my sister just told me about this uh this girl that she works with so this girl like i mean i don't have confirmation that this is true it's not totally unbelievable but i mean basically my sister just told me this girl she works with uh this happened to her um, so she's this really pretty girl. She's blonde. Um, uh-huh. and she was with her when she was a little girl. She was like a super cute little girl, I guess. She was like, like, like a, like a little like movie star looking girl, you know? And, uh, she was in LA at like some festival, like downtown LA, you know, sometimes they, um, they block the streets off and they yeah. have like all these, you know, food carts and like yep. Yep. shopping stuff. So she's at this thing with her, with her family and her, her mom and her brother said she got like separated somehow from uh, her family like just not like she was lost but like there was space between them you know mm-hmm. and uh so she see, she sees this old lady like getting her attention she's like hey come here come here and she 
goes to the old lady. She's an impressionable little kid, you know. She doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. And this old and this isn't like a little old lady. Nothing, nothing to worry about here. And this old lady just starts going like, "Here, I wanna, I wanna give you something. Come here, come here." So she has her follower, and they get to this like alley, and the old lady like grabs her and like covers her mouth and throws her, throws her uh, like her shawl or whatever you'd call it. Like she has like a like a not a robe, but I guess shawl is probably the right word. You know, like, yeah, like a loose fitting like coat type thing. Right. She like throws it over, and the little girl's like struggling and fighting. She's like. You know, telling her before before she grabs her, she's like saying shit like, "I want to go home, I want to go home," and she's like, shh, 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 you know, covering her up and starts trying to take her away. And um, she said like she was dragging her off, and she was I don't know where she was going, like towards a van probably or something. I don't know, but as she's going, she said she could kind of see through like one of the holes in uh, the lady's the lady's like coat, and uh, she sees her little brother, so she like bites the lady and screams. And, you know, she sees her brother and her mom, like, looking for her and, like, hustling around. So she bites the lady. She screams, kicks, gets away. And she ends up getting back to her brother and her mom. And her mom sees the old lady. And the little girl's, like, pointing at the old lady. And she comes up to her. And she's like, what the fuck were you doing? What were you doing trying to take my daughter? What were you going to do? And the old lady just looks at her, fucking cold as fucking ice. Just looks at her and goes... She's a really pretty little girl. I could get a lot of money for her in Mexico. Wow. Well, dude, like speaking of child fuck, abduction, dude, that's did, so I crazy. didn't know this until recently. Apparently, Santa Maria is like a hub. Yeah, for, I, chi- for I trafficking. Just, uh, no, I just heard this story. I just yeah. about uh, Rancho, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Somebody just told me about that. About some girl just got fucking picked up outside of Rancho, and. Uh, they they followed the guys they found their van but they were gone and they i guess they traced the van back and they found out that they, it had a bunch of uh a bunch of links to uh sex trafficking like that girl's gone yeah they never and, found and her. there there's multiple reports uh within the last year yeah. of kids almost getting abducted from playgrounds and stuff around Fuck, here man which is crazy because you don't even ever think that's like a thing growing up but it's it's um you know those those abduction stories are crazy. That's that's some of the spookiest shit because people will get abducted, and then once they get taken to these third world countries, they're untraceable. Yeah, they're they just dis- gone. They they're gone. They disappear. Yeah. There's no fucking. They're mm-hmm. off the grid entirely. Yeah. There's no finding them. And it's just it's fucked up because it's just it's money. It's people yeah. fucking selling people, and well, it and goes on right here. That's what scares me about, you know, statistically. One of the most unsafe places you could be, like on the planet, is on a cruise, a cruise really? liner, or like a family cruise liner, because when you're out there at sea, it's maritime law. There's no right. There's there's no repercussions. So, I mean, it's it's there's a lot of stories. There was a whole podcast I listened to. Uh, I think it was a crime junkie podcast mm-hmm. where they talked about this, but you could be abducted out there and you're basically fucked. I mean, and a lot of times what happens is, is like, let's say you're going to some, um, you know, exotic location. A lot of times there's people that are on, they get hired onto that crew, onto that cruise liner mm-hmm. that are a part that of the part whole of scheme. The, yeah. And they'll it fucking, sense, yeah. and, and, and in a lot of those countries, you know, you get like, there was one story in particular, I don't remember the woman's name, but it was this kind of, um, you know, very traditional looking like American white woman that was taken because in that country, that's what's exotic to them, you know, 
Right. And um, she was abducted. They, she just disappeared off the ship. Nobody ever knows what happened. And then there was a picture that was pulled out of a, um, a ad in that country for a, um, uh, a prostitute that mm-hmm. looked almost like identical. So they think the speculation was they think yeah. that that was her. And but I that's when I f- first heard that. Yeah, apparently that's a thing that happens like all the that's time. Crazy. Um, it's crazy. I had uh, I had some friends in L.A. that um, were telling me about this. I don't know the details on this. I don't know the guy that this happened to. But it was some of the people that I uh, I trained Muay Thai with, and they had a like a friend a friend of uh, of theirs was fighting in in Mexico. Thing about like fighting sports is there's shady things that you can do to make a little bit more money than you can do in legitimate ways. You can go fight in Mexico and make like a couple hundred bucks, and you know you don't have to go put it on your record or anything. It's like instead of doing you know like your fucking amateur fights here like putting fights on your record here against pros who are really well trained or anything you can just go to mexico and have have some underground fights in a fucking bar or some shit and fight just some dude who's there to fight that night and just put some money in your pocket mm-hmm. you know so we had guys who would go do that um apparently this one guy went there he had a muay thai fight and he, I think he was in, like, Tijuana or something. It was some, like, touristy area. Or, like, uh, Rosarita or something like that. And um, he was just out, like, hanging out um, that night. <laughs> and he got fucking abducted. Wow. And they sent a video to his family of them beating him in the face with a fucking two-by-four. And, like, I mean, the way it was explained to me is that he had a chin and he was a fighter so they had to hit him and he just didn't go out he was just getting fucked up and they had to keep beating him with the two by four until he went out because that was like you know they're trying to fucking knock him out on the video and they i think his family had to pay like a hundred thousand dollars or something like that to get him back it was like they fucking had him they were gonna kill him That's that shit just happens out there you know <laughs> god and there's no like you would think that there would be some sort of safeguard as far as, like, there would be some sort of policy, maybe, where, like, the the U.S. government could uh, come in and pay reimburse or I don't know. But then yeah, I guess you'd then, probably get a lot of people scheming who pretend to well, get abducted. and Also, it's not necessarily, like, that they're the government's responsibility to no, protect yeah. you when you go to another country. It's kind of like that's on you. That's why it's so sketchy to go to another country. Yeah. It's like... You have to respect the fact that you're in someone else's backyard right now. And yeah. They got different rules there. They got different policies. And they don't give a fuck about you. Well, and that's, that's what scares me about it. Uh, I would be lying if I said that the idea of there's just certain countries where I'm not like xenophobic or anything by any means. But um, there's just certain countries where it does kind of scare me the fact that you can go there and there is a possibility like, okay, like there's a very real possibility that one day I might go to Iran because my Mm -hmm. wife is Iranian and, um, you know, her dad, her whole family's from there and her dad goes there once every year and it always gets brought up. Like we might go there one day. Yeah. And, um, but if you go to Iran, there's a very real possibility that they could just lock the government could just choose to lock shit down and you're trapped there. I mean, that is a possibility. Yeah. Because it's just a different thing over there. Yeah, it's a different kind of place. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, 
Yeah, that thought has crossed my mind. That's pretty damn scary. Yeah. Pretty scary. Yeah, don't go to Iran, man. I don't really want to go that bad. There's other places I would much rather go to. Uh, it doesn't <laughs> but... seem like a real touristy place. doesn't seem like well, there's a lot apparently... of... I'm sure there's cool shit there. Don't get me wrong. I, was gonna I bet say... there is. Yeah, like... I was going to say, apparently it actually is. I, I had a client I used to train who was a helicopter pilot for Sony. And uh, he he was... It's crazy. It was just so random. But he was like an expert on Iran. He knew all about mm-hmm. Iran. Because uh, I think his son was actually a... Uh, his son was in the military, and he was a, a language decoder for, like, the NSA. Okay. So his son had a very uh, high-profile government job, and he was always telling me cool cool shit and crazy stories. And But he would talk about Iran a lot because he knew my wife was Iranian. Mm-hmm. And he would talk about how it's actually a really, like, beautiful country. And the climate, when people picture Iran... They think of this like shithole in the middle of the desert, you know, right. where it's hot as fuck and sandy. What you're thinking and... about, what you're thinking about, is like the uh, the boonies, right? Yeah, you're yeah, thinking yeah. about all the spots that are that are like third world areas, right? There's a city there, though. <laughs> yeah, and well, and he so what he was saying was actually the climate isn't that; it's actually fairly similar to the climate here. It's not it? that much different, and there's some like, you know, beautiful like mountainous regions, mm-hmm. and it's just more or less the. Um, you know the government that's in place it's like that... if we it's like if if people just saw like pictures and videos of arizona or something and thought that that's what it's like here <laughs> right yeah yeah all right well yep. that about wraps it up for me yeah no, no no we kind of we kind of did what we came here to do um that was a good one we got some good stories out got a little political there gave you guys some good old-fashioned travel advice from two men of the world as it were <laughs> You know, yeah, I'm a uh, I'm a very cultured guy. I like to think of myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a uh, I'm like a mix between Mark Twain and uh, and uh, Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. So you should take what I say very seriously. I like to think of myself as more like a a better looking Indiana Jones. Mm, yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> I could see that. I do have the hat somewhere in here. Harrison Ford isn't really that good looking when you think about it, too. No, no. He was before. He I got mean, in during he's, the he's, era. He's rugged and masculine. He like, got he got in before the era of the super, super handsome Hollywood stars. Right. Like, you know what? There, there was this weird period where, like, he had the early Hollywood stars, like Rudolph Valentino and, like, some of these other guys who were, you know, fucking... Uh, Marlon Brando, young James Dean, you know, (laughs) these guys, these guys who were very uh, rugged, but very pretty at the same Mm -hmm. time. And then you had these dudes in the middle, like De Niro and Pacino and Harrison Mm -hmm. Ford, who were not pretty at all. I mean, they were kind of just, they were ruggedly handsome, They were all swagger, but they all, they were just swagger. They looked like a dude you would know. Yeah. And then it's now it's kind of coming back around. And And now the guy back to like Brad Pitt. Now they're all just crazy pretty. Now you have like Chris Hemsworth and Chris Evans, mm-hmm. and they all just look like models with charisma. People, people are like uncomfortably good looking now. They're, they're just they're, like they're hard to look. You at. You know what sucks about it is they're uncomfortably good looking, but they're also really funny uh-huh. and charismatic yeah, and charming. <laughs> Girls love them, dudes love them. They're they're, super, nobody hates them. They're superhuman with their looks, their physiques, and their personalities. Yeah, like nobody well, fuck them. How about nobody that? doesn't like like Channing Tatum or Chris Evans mm. or Chris Hemsworth. Everybody likes those They're dudes. They're all great. We ca- I can't even say anything bad about them. Mm-hmm. I like them all. Yeah. What a shame. Yeah. Well, this is the world we live in. Man. 
Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, get Matt on his uh, on his intrinsic resistance, whatever the fuck you want to call it, thing. Get me. Uh, hit him up for four, some. Four. Uh, hit him up for some sessions. Get yeah. those abs. Yep. And don't forget to uh, dab your neck with a towel to get the fat off of it. <laughs> please, uh, please don't. And uh, get in touch with me, Bone Catrone, on Instagram. And uh, let's do some Muay Thai, people. First session's free. After that, you gotta pay. <laughs>